Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lift it up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the New Testament book of <coughs> to the New Testament book of Luke, the Gospel record of Luke and chapter number six. The Gospel record of Luke and chapter number six. Now, as we've been going through, we've been seeing the early ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we've been touching upon the early ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've already been seeing that he has been gathering enemies. He's been gathering people that has been opposing him. And in fact, in the last several messages, we put a highlight on how the, the Pharisees have been looking to find a way to accuse Jesus. Remember, as we had saw earlier in Luke chapter 5, that we had saw some people, the, the Pharisees had come from all the different cities, coming from different countries, with no book in hand, looking to jot down everything that Jesus did wrong. And remember that they had filled that whole house and filled it for the press. Uh, we're in Luke chapter 6, the gospel record of Luke chapter 6. We've seen him as he uh, leads people to the Lord, and he had led Matthew or Levi to the Lord. And then Levi threw a big party and wanted all of his friends to, to see Jesus, the one he was going to be following. And what happens is the, the uh, Pharisees come and they hijack the disciples and try to get them to say something wrong against their master. And Jesus begins to uh, deal with them as well. Well, the Pharisee problem is not going to go away, but in fact, it's going to intensify more and more and more. And now as we turn to the gospel record of Luke in chapter 6, we can see that they are actually starting to lay traps to see if they could trip up the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the trap is going to come later. First of all, they're going to be greatly offended, but then they have to find some way how to use this. So turn with me, if you don't mind, to the gospel record of Luke chapter number 6. The gospel record of Luke chapter number 6. And notice with me, if you don't mind, in verse number 1. The Gospel record of Luke chapter 6 and verse number 1. And it came to pass on the second Sabbath after the first that he, that's Jesus, went through the cornfields and his disciples plucked the ears of corn and did eat, rubbing them in their hands. And certain of the Pharisees said unto them, Why do ye that which is not lawful to do on the Sabbath days? And Jesus answering them said, Have ye not read so much as this, what David did when he hungered and was a hungered, and they that were which with him? How he went into the house of God and did take and eat of the showbread and gave also to them that were with him, which it is not lawful to eat, but for the priest alone. And he said unto them that the son of man is also 
or is Lord also of the Sabbath. And it came to pass also on another Sabbath that he entered into the synagogue and taught. And there was a man whose right hand was withered. And the scribes and the Pharisees watched him, whether he would heal on the Sabbath day, that they might find an accusation against him. But he knew their thoughts and said unto the man which had a withered hand, Rise up and stand forth in the midst. And he arose and stood forth. Then said Jesus unto him, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath days to do good or to do evil? To save life or destroy it? And looking around about upon them all, he said unto the man, Stretched forth thy hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored whole as the other. And they were filled with madness and communed one with another what they might do to Jesus. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark something that Jesus said concerning this whole deal with the Sabbath in the gospel record of Luke chapter number six, the gospel record of Luke chapter six. And notice with me in verse number five, where Jesus says, Lord, also of the Sabbath. Lord also of the Sabbath. If you don't mind, we'll just trim the, the title up just a little bit and say the Lord of the Sabbath. The Lord of the Sabbath. And with the Lord's help, let's pray and we'll understand this passage a little bit more. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And as we come to you, I'm just asking that you would just help us now to have a principle and understand what you're teaching here, that we could rightly divide your truth, that we want to be pleasing in all your ways, not the way that we think it should be or the way that we've been taught. We want to see what the Bible has to say and apply the right principle because it's you that needs to be pleased. I'm asking that you would just help us to have a good understanding of this passage, that you'd help us to have a good grasp of what it's teaching us here and walk away seeing you as a wonderful God who loves us very much, that we could worship you the way that you intended us to worship you. In your name we pray, fill me with your spirit, do a work. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. As we begin, the first thing I want to show you in this, this <coughs> incident is the picking corn on the Sabbath. The picking corn of the Sabbath. Now, as we've already mentioned in chapter 5, the disciple or the Pharisees have been looking for ways, examining his the Lord Jesus Christ's life to find some way to accuse him. And as we had mentioned before, can you imagine what it would be like to have a group of people following you around, taking notes on every aspect of your life, looking for that one fault they could accuse you on? Well, if you were like anything like me, it wouldn't take them long to find something. But for Jesus, they were studying every aspect of his life. Now, again, Jesus is in the flesh. He is man. He is also God. Don't you think it may have just irked his flesh just a little bit to have someone looking at him? Now, we understand he's, he's not sinful man, but how would your flesh respond? How would you respond with someone? Would it start to drive you up the wall? Would it start to, to uh, look and say, oh man, stop it? Well, for Jesus, he was, go ahead and look all you want. There's nothing you're going to find wrong. Nothing. 
Now his disciples were stuck in the fishbowl. And of course they had lots of things wrong. But the disciples were not the target. Jesus was. And so now as they're studying every aspect of his life. Something else has come up. Where the criticism of the Pharisees come to light. Notice with me if you don't mind in verse number 1. Luke chapter 6 and verse number 1. And it came to pass on the second Sabbath after the first. So now we're getting a date and we're starting to understand more what's going on. That he, Jesus, went through the cornfields and his disciples plucked the ears of corn. And did eat, rubbing them together in their hands. And certain of the Pharisees said unto them, Why do you... Do ye that which is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. Now with this we have to have a little bit more of an explanation. Now the Pharisees were people who knew their Bible. And we'll show that in a second. And what happened is that we know that we have the ceremonial laws. Remember that the Old Testament law that's given is pretty much a constitution for that brand new country that was being formed with God as their leader. That country didn't last long. And may I emphasize that the Jewish people at that day didn't obey the law. They failed it all the time. But the Pharisees not only studied the law. But then they got super spiritual and they wrote commentaries on that law. Then to be super spiritual on top of that they had commentaries on the commentaries. And they studied the commentaries and the commentaries, which in this they would take little aspects of the law and they would expand upon it and they would put a weight on it and they would try to uh, decipher it. And what happened instead of getting the true intent of what God intended, they now have made it so it's a miserable existence to be right with God. That you had to go through so much. Now for the Jewish people, they actually had... That one of their biggest days was the Sabbath day. It's our Saturday. And for the Hebrew people, they have made it so as they over-exaggerated things that the Bible talks about that we're not supposed to do work on, a, on the Sabbath. And we'll get into that in a second. But they did a commentary on that commentary and they made it. So therefore, they counted how many steps they would take on a Sabbath day to make sure that they didn't cross it. They did certain things, for example, in their commentaries of the commentaries, they had a law that said it was illegal for a woman to look at a mirror on the Sabbath day. Not that the looking in the mirror was work, but she may find a gray hair and she may try to pluck it out. That would be work. That's against the law. No plucking gray hairs. You would be breaking the Sabbath day and you would be violating it. You're no longer right with God. That would be a rough existence. Today, the modern Orthodox Jewish people, because they think turning on and off a light is work. Now, back then, you were to start a fire. They weren't allowed to start a fire. So they've now applied it so you can't turn it on and on and off a light. So remember, their Sabbath day begins on sundown on Friday night. And so on Friday before sundown, you would either turn on the lights or turn them off because you couldn't turn them on or off the next day. It was just prohibited. But there's a problem because guess what you have inside of you, one of your favorite rooms is a refrigerator. And what happens when you open up that refrigerator door? The light comes on. And so for those Orthodox Jews who have really been embraced the law and, and the commentaries and the commentaries, that before sundown on Friday, you would actually go in, in there and unscrew the light bulb. So that way when you open it up on the Sabbath day, no light comes on. 
And so what happened is that they have made this rules and regulations. And they've made it so that you had to do this and you could only take so many steps. And it was not a relaxing day. And it was not what God intended to have. But for the super spiritual Pharisees, they loved it. Look at how righteous I am. I keep all the rules of the Sabbath. Look at me, how great I am. They loved the Sabbath day because normal people could not keep that. But for the, they could not keep all the rules and regulations. They couldn't put all the stuff. So now here's Jesus and his disciples. They're hungry. And may I remind you that there's no McDonald's? There's no quick trip? And so they're walking through a cornfield and it's implied that Jesus gave them permission to go ahead and grab corn. Now, they're not stealing. It's available. So they take the corn. And for those of you who've actually uh, shecked corn, you know that corn has some process. You have to shake the corn. And then it's got all the hairs off. And so what the disciples do is they take the corn and they kind of rub it to try to get all the hairs off. So that way they can eat it. So that way you don't get all that hair in your teeth. I mean, just practical. And the Pharisees who are there recording Jesus and they're taking notes and everything they're doing as they're following. And you imagine how much work they're doing in order to follow Jesus. And so they're taking notes. And then they watch in horror that on their holy, holy days, the greatest day of the week on their opinion, the Sabbath day, these disciples take this corn that's work enough. It's illegal to pick corn on the Sabbath. But now they do the work of actually taking and the hair off of it and rubbing it. They're doing way too much work. They have violated. There's no way they can be right with God. And so they confront him. Now, disciples have made things simple. They're hungry. Here's food. I have to find the way to get the food in my mouth. So that means I have to do something about it, right? I have to unwrap the cheeseburger package in order to eat the cheeseburger. I'm sorry you violated. You did too much work. Does that make sense? It's kind of what we're equivalent. They have to open the package in order to get to the food. But that's work. You can't do that. I'm glad that we don't have to go on the commentaries of the commentaries of the law. And so these Pharisees go up. Why do you ye that which is not lawful to do on the Sabbath day? Now, the disciples were probably like, oops, what are we going to do? Remember, they addressed the disciples again, but Jesus steps in and he begins to speak to them. Notice what Jesus says. <laughs> he says, and Jesus answering to them and said, have ye not read? Now, that's easy to go run off of message here. But you know, several times throughout the uh, Bible, Jesus asked the Pharisees, it's always important to see who it is. He asked them several times, have ye not read? Now you understand there's a difference between reading and understanding. Now, of course, they've read the law. I'm the greatest law master there is. I read my Bible through all the time. Well, did you understand what you read? What do you mean? And so Jesus says, hey, you remember the time where Jesus, where David was running from Saul? And as he was running from Saul, he, he was running with just a few men and he arrived. He, did, he took off and didn't even have a sword or a weapon. So he arrives over at the, the temple 
or not the temple, the tabernacle at the time. And he arrives in and he says, do you have any sword? And they happen to have Goliath's sword that he took, for, that David had taken. Oh, sure, I'll take that thing. And then he says, by the way, you got any food? And the priest said, well, we have this old showbread. Now, what is this? Now, in the temple, you would go inside and they would have different pictures of Jesus. You would start off with the brazen altar. And inside of the brazen altar, it would show that something had to die because of my sin. Well, when the priests were done with that, they would go to the brazen laver, which would be a picture that even though the, my blood the blood has washed away my sin, I still need to wash up from time to time. 1 John 1, 9. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Well, as you step inside of the tabernacle proper, you would have a couple pieces of furniture. You would have over here, you would have the golden candlestick. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. On the very back, you would have the altar of incense, which would uh, represent the prayers of the saint, especially the prayers of Jesus who prays for us daily. And then then on the, this side, you would have the table of showbread. And Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Now, what would happen is that every day they would make some unleavened bread for the purpose of sitting in the temple for the purpose that it would represent uh, that Jesus is the light of the world. Well, what would you do afterwards? Well, afterwards, it was allowable by law that the priest could eat the leftovers. Not that day's, but the leftovers. And, but it was set aside to the priest who were dedicated to serve God. And so it was a way to go ahead and recycle what was being used. Well, the priest who was there, Abathar, told David, guess what? We don't have anything, but we have yesterday's showbread. Well, can I have that? Well, have you been separated unto God during this time? Yes, sir. Okay, well, I don't see any problem. You're hungry. We have it available. Let's go. Now, did the priest violate the Sabbath? Well, according to the Old Testament, no. According to the Pharisees, yes! Because he did work and he dedicated something that was supposed to belong to God. Now, remember, the Sabbath belongs to God. And so Jesus teaches him this principle here. Um, let's just see what Jesus said, verse number three. And Jesus answering them, the Pharisees, said, Have ye not read so as much as this, what David did when he himself was a hungered, and they that were with him, how he went into the house of God and did take and eat the showbread, and gave also to them that were with him, which it was not lawful to eat, but for the priests alone. Now let's pause here. David was a servant of Saul. The priest knew that. David asked for help. They had some leftovers. What was wrong with giving him the leftovers that was no longer being used? Even though it was technically against the law, it was the right thing to do. So, verse number five, and he, Jesus, said to them, the Pharisees, the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. So, he wants to remind them that, hey, I'm God, and as God, I'm the one who created the Sabbath. I know what it's there for. You don't need to tell me what the Sabbath is there for. I'm the one who created it. Now, the disciples, uh, the Pharisees are not done yet. So, they watch this incident and they are looking for something else. Now, Jesus has kind of given the principle here about the Sabbath that I want you to understand that the principle of the Sabbath, it's not made for 
It was made for man, not the other way around. Our rest is not in a day. Our rest is in a person. We'll get to that in just a bit. But our rest is not in a day. Our rest is in a person. So, the Pharisees are looking for a reason, all right? Let's see if we can get him to break the Sabbath again. Now, again, let's think about how much work they're going to have to do. They did a lot of work last time, even though they do, they're accusing Jesus of it. But now they come up with a plan. Jesus is going to teach in the Sabbath. After all, who's not going to have Jesus with all of the crowds that he brings? Can you imagine with all the crowds that they get in free will offering, how much would come with all just the crowds? Anybody who was in the, in the synagogue leader would glad to have Jesus come, even if he brought controversy. And so they find out where Jesus is going to be preaching the next Sabbath day. And the Pharisees come up with a plan. They go find someone with a withered hand, a hand that just is not fully grown, does it, or it, it's just kind of withdrawn, and work, it doesn't work. And so they go find a guy and say, hey man, do you hear about this Jesus guy? Yeah. He's going to be in town. How would you like for him to heal your hand? Sure. All we need you to do is show up to church, show up to synagogue, and you allow Jesus to see you, and he'll heal you. Now, do the Pharisees have this guy's best interest in heart? No. What they want to do is they want to see if they can trick Jesus into healing a guy because healing is a work. And if Jesus can do a work on the Sabbath, oh, there we go. We could accuse him in front of everyone. We're assuming that the corn incident was more private, that they're following him. Ah, oh, but if we could get Jesus to do a work in front of a big crowd, we could all say, look at him. He's not right with God because he did a work on the Sabbath. That's their plan. And so they set up the guy and they put him in, in a seat where Jesus can see him. And so... It now begins, notice with me if you don't mind, in verse number 6. And it came to pass on another Sabbath that he, Jesus, entered into a synagogue and taught. And there was a man whose right hand was withered. And the scribes and Pharisees watched him, whether he would heal on the Sabbath day that they may find an accusation against him. We know a different gospel record adds some more to it, but they set this up. This wasn't happenstance. This is, they set it up on purpose. Verse number eight, but he knew their thoughts. So as he's preaching, he also knows what they're thinking. They're like, come on, see, it. oh, look, he's looking at him now. This is great. He knows what they're thinking. And he drew, knew their thoughts and said to the man which had the withered hand, rise up and stand forth in the mist. Now, this was interesting. Jesus wasn't phased by their trap but turn the tables on them. You know, first, instead of hiding the man, he asked the man to stump forward. Now, he could have said, listen, see me after service. He could have done that. But instead, he doesn't want to hide. There's nothing to hide. Jesus has everything open. He sees the guy, listens to the thoughts of the Pharisees and says, all right, stand up. So the guy stands up. Rise up and stand forth. And he went and stood forth. That means he came right to the center aisle. Could you so imagine we're having a service? And in the service, Jesus says, Hey, you, stand up, come here. I mean, what are you going to do? No. So the guy comes up with his withered hand and he's standing before everyone. The Pharisees are ready to write down, All right, we got him now. They're ready to stand up and accuse him. 
And Jesus, again, knowing the thoughts of them, then said Jesus unto them, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath days to do good or to do evil, to save life and to destroy it? May I tell you that it is always wrong to do evil and it is always right to do right. If you have the ability to do right and choose not to, is that not evil? I mean, that makes sense, right? Do you know that there's not a certain day of a week where you're allowed to do evil? Do you know that there's not a period of time in the calendar year where you're supposed to set aside to purposely do good? You're supposed to do good every day, not on a certain 40-day period. You're supposed to do what's right all the time. And so Jesus is standing here and says, I have the ability to heal. Would it be wrong of me to say, no, 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 I can't. It's not the right day to heal you. I'm sorry. You're just going to have to miss out. Wouldn't that be wrong? So Jesus addresses them. I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath day to do good or do evil, to save a life, to destroy it? And looking round about them all. Now, don't miss that. He doesn't just quickly say it and then heals them. He takes time to look at them. Can you imagine what it would be look like? Now, some of you may mention that I look at you, and I try to, but it's like pastor's looking at me in the message. Well, I'm just pastor. Can you imagine Jesus looking at you? And especially when you hate Jesus and you're trying to find accusation and he's looking at you in your eyeballs. And he looks at them all, okay? I'm making sure that you're all awake. Making sure you're paying attention. And looking round about them all, he said unto the man, stretch forth thy hand. And he did so. Can you imagine Jesus has stretched forth his hand and his hand which is withered for the first time is straightened out. You imagine what a feeling that was? And everybody in town knew that this wasn't a trick. They'd known this guy all of his life. And to watch him stretch forth his hand. Wow, the whole crowd is, this is great. This is wonderful. Except for the Pharisees who said, oh, we got him now. And they were filled with madness. Now, why are they filled with madness? Because they don't have him now. He just turned the tables. He just told the crowd, is it all right for me to do good? It's right for me to do good. I'm going to heal them. And they're filled with madness. What is this madness? It carries the idea of a senseless rage. Now they're no longer logically against him. They are senselessly against him. They hate him. So much so that the Bible gives a different account that from this point on, the Pharisees, the religious leader, they're going to join up with the Herodotans, the civil leaders, to plot about destroying Christ. Now, with all of this being said, and we see that the Pharisees had a different view of the Sabbath than Jesus did, and that they had these laws and commentaries, may we come to the idea and understanding what is the principle of the Sabbath? If God gave the Sabbath, and he did put some rules about it, what is the purpose of the Sabbath? That's a great question. Well, let's answer that from the Bible. The book of Exodus chapter 31. Exodus 31. Now to give you context, God gave the Ten Commandments out loud. Remember that God spoke the Ten Commandments out loud to the people. They heard God with his own voice give the Ten Commandments. And then they said, please don't let God speak to us anymore. We're going to die. Moses, can you just go talk to him? And they said, all right. But they heard God give the Ten Commandments. In 
Exodus 24, God asked Moses to come up the mountain, not to get the Ten Commandments, but to receive the blueprints, the plans for building the tabernacle. And from Exodus 24 all the way up to Exodus 31, Moses is up there with the plans, receiving the plans of the blueprints of how to build the tabernacle. Now it's going to take nine months for the people to build the tabernacle, okay? That's an important date. Nine months. Now at the end of giving the plans, God then stops and tells Tells Moses a different note. With that, turn with me to Exodus 31. Exodus 31, and notice with me in verse number 12. Exodus 31 and verse 12. Notice with me if you don't mind. Exodus 31 and verse 12, God is speaking to Moses. They're up on the mountain. They just finished receiving the plans. In fact, just earlier in 31 is still talking about the plans. And then God breaks off and tells Moses something special. Verse number 12, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak thou also unto the children of Israel, saying, Verily my Sabbaths ye shall keep. For it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that ye may know that I am the Lord that doth sanctify you. And ye shall keep the Sabbath therefore, for it is holy to you. To everyone that defileth it, it shall be surely put to death. For whosoever shall do any work therein, that soul shall be cut off from among the people. Six days may work be done, but the seventh is a Sabbath of rest, holy to the Lord. Whosoever doeth any work on the Sabbath day, he shall surely be put to death. Wherefore, the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations for a perpetual covenant. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days the Lord hath made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. Now, this is important. Now, those of you who know me know that I love the names of God. That when you study the names of God, you learn quite a bit about God. In verse number 13, we have a special name of God. The Lord that doth sanctify you. This is the name Jehovah Kadesh. The Lord that sanctifies you. Now, when we take this name and put it in context, it opens up quite a bit. Now, remember, God just gave the plans for the tabernacle to Moses. The people are going to spend the next nine months building the tabernacle. And as God finished off the plans, he says, before you go, Moses, let me remind you, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. I'm the Lord that sanctifies you. Keep the Sabbath and separate that day. What is the principle that God's getting across? That what's going to be the temptation of all of us people in the flesh is that we can get so busy doing things for God that we fail to spend time with God. That the temptation is, is the people like, we're building the tabernacle and we're working hard and I'm putting my investment. I'm doing this for God. And we feel like because we did something for him that that is enough. God does not want just your service. Notice with me if you don't mind as he uh, repeats what he was saying, verse 13. Speak thou also to the children of Israel, saying, Verily my Sabbath shall ye keep, for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that ye may know that I am the Lord uh, that doth sanctify you. Notice this. He says, I want you to know me. 
We know God by spending time with Him. Not just doing things for Him. And our big temptation is that we get so busy. And we are busy. We get so busy. There are some people here who are not here today who should be because they are busy. They're doing something. And they're missing out on spending time with God. Remember that the Sabbath, we our rest, comes from a person, not from a day. That God wants us to, here's the principle, and this principle is repeated all throughout Scripture, that we can get so busy doing things for God that we fail to spend time with God. Think about the Pharisees. The Pharisees have all these rules and regulations. They have all these things. You can't do this. You can't pluck out gray hair. You can't get corn. You can't turn on a light. You can't do this. You have to count your steps. That's not very restful or refreshful. But are they any closer to God because of all of their rules and regulations? Not at all. The emphasis, again, we do this all the time. The emphasis is not on the rules and regulations. The emphasis is on God. He's the one that we need to be looking at. He's the one that we're spending time. And God put those things for the purpose that we on purpose look at him. And spend time with him. And refreshing ourselves. That we get so busy doing things. Preachers are the biggest uh, violators of this principle, by the way. That they get so busy writing sermons and doing help and visiting this. That they fail to spend time in their Bible. It's why we ask you, how can I pray for pastor? Pray that I stay in my Bible reading. What do you mean? Don't you have this Bible thing conquered? I do, but you know, so many things take away my time. Calls start early in the morning and start chiseling away. And the next thing you know, I haven't been in my Bible and then I'm no good to you. Because it's not me, it's God that does the work. Remember, as we covered in Sunday school this morning, in Acts chapter 6, that there was a problem where the, uh, they were accused that the widows weren't taken care of. And so what did the disciples do? They told them to pick out amongst themselves seven men of honest report who would be able to handle the business. For Why? So that way the disciples can spend more time in the word and prayer. This principle's found throughout it that we can get so busy doing things for God that we fail to spend time with God. And we are busy people. In fact, the more time-saving devices we have, the busier we become. Amen. Amen. And we miss this principle that we fail to spend time with Him. So with that, we talk about the Sabbath and we have one group who is putting so much of emphasis on the Sabbath that they've lost out on the meaning of it. The meaning was so we could be with God, spend time with him. But then we could see our temptation here that we fall in the same trap. We get so busy with this and that that we don't spend time with him. How is your time with the Lord? Do you take a time? This is my time to spend with God daily. Do you take time away from your busy schedule even on a Sunday? Or do you fill up your Sundays that you're looking at the clock, a preacher needs to show up soon or finish soon because I got this to do and I got this to do and I got to get this to do. And you're missing the whole thing. That you could barely even enjoy church because your mind is on what you have to do afterwards. And we're missing the whole point that God wants us to know Him. To be with him. So much that God had tried to put different things. Don't work. Not just for the purpose of you not working. But for the purpose that you put that time aside to be with 
Him. To get rid of the distractions. To get rid of the busyness. To get rid of the things that keep you from not being with Him. You know, you could spend time with someone and not be with them. We all have the people that when they talk on the phone, we sit down and every once in a while we go, uh-huh, uh-huh. Take it back down. Or we have the people that we're talking with and we're playing solitaire. They say, uh-huh, yep. Are, are we really with them at that time? No. When you spend your time with God, are you with Him? When you read your Bible, are you doing it for the purpose of learning about Him? When you pray, is it not, are you, set aside everything else, this idea of closet prayer, get rid of the distractions, get rid of the phone, get rid of the Facebook, and say just me and God, close the closet, Lord, I know you have undivided attention, Lord, I want you to have my undivided attention. Let's talk. This is the principle that God is trying to get across. Do you purposely set aside work? Set aside these other things. Set aside the distractions so you can on purpose be with him. So often we get busy doing things for God that we could fail to spend time with God. Let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, as we come up to you now, we're just asking that you would help us to understand the principle that you're teaching here. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.